3: Everybody and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, I look forward to doing this show every day. It is April 29, 2022. Of course, I don't do it every day anymore. Justin does it half the time, so you know. But I still do. I still like doing it. It's fun to do it. Fun to talk to you. Anyways, if you have uh, any questions, financials, time to get on the phone and give me a call. I don't have any. any, any, There's no hidden agendas here on Invest Talk. Never is. And I don't. We don't push anything onto people. That's not what we do. In fact, it will mostly be your questions that drive the direction of the show. Okay, it's true every day. You drive it, not me. And of course, it'll be my goal to help you understand the current environment we're in, and we know we're in a pretty volatile down environment. And I don't see that change until the very minimum, uh, the ne- after the next Fed meeting. Okay, and that's next week, 4th or 5th, 4th and 5th. But even then, uh, you know, we got several headwinds, you know, are Ukraine-Russia war that is going to throw, push the EU into probably recession. The Eastern Eastern countries are going to be in recession. Russia is going to be totally devastated, which is fine with me. Um, And China, who shut down, you know, uh shanghai for three weeks and considering shutting down beijing for some time because they it's it china's going to throw itself in a recession i think that's what's going to happen you know so because they have zero tolerance for covid zero which makes no sense to me there should be some tolerance for covid you know it's going to be with us for years it's not going away, anyway. So that's there. Those are tough headwinds for us. We realize that we here in the United States get affected by what goes on in the world. I mean, we're doing we're holding up pretty well right now, but with the Federal Reserve on a rant to raise interest rates forever, at least that's what they're saying five, six, seven, eight times, whatever they want to do. I don't think they're going to do it, by the way. I really don't. I think they will raise rates. I do. I think they may probably raise them a half a percent next week when they meet. Maybe another half a percent again. But I think they're going to slow down pretty fast when they see how much damage they're doing to the economy. I really do. So... It is your show, everybody. You drive it. You tell me where you want to go. As long as we go financial, we're, we're okay today. On today's investor situation, is very different than it was just 10 15, last few decades, which was all about growth, right? No inflation, all about growth stocks. But you have to consider the change we have changed. You know, your retirement security is fundamentally the primary fundamental Goal, get to your financial freedom number, whatever that is. You still have to do it. Uh, you know, if you still have that pre-COVID frame of mind, you're, you're going to be in trouble with your investments. They're just not going to do as well. Doesn't mean they're going to go crashing or thing. Even though they have crashed, and I mean, the Nasdaq's down way more than twenty percent, uh, which is bear market territory, right? But the S P and the Dow are not near that much. But NASDAQ is all tech stuff, high-growth stuff. That's been getting crushed. Okay, so we've got all these things to consider. Let's talk about them. Okay, we of course, we'll start with our mission statement, independent thinking and shared success. And that hopefully assures you that we are going to be accurate in our market reporting, uh, uh, the uh, explanations of the processes we use, And and try to be informative on the educational segments and clear. So, and we'll do this all without bias. We're not, you know, we don't have anything to push. As I said at the beginning, we don't push anything. So I encourage you to contact me with your financial and investment questions, your economic questions. You get to shape the show. In fact, you can call me right now. We're live, 45 Pacific time, 888-99. Chart is the number, 888-992-4278. So let's go right to our first listener question.
1: Hey, Steve, this is Bob from Ohio. I've seen today about a stock called Magna, M-G-A. Um, it's been hit recently, and it's down like 40% from its 52-week high. Um, and it has a, like a 3% dividend yield. Um, and I think as the pandemic starts to unwind and the car market starts to become less backed up, there'll be more car parts needed. Therefore, Magna will do well because they sell those car parts. Thank you again. I appreciate listening to your show every day, and I'll do to it on the podcast. Have a good one.
3: Okay, I don't know if I agree with that scenario you spelled out because um, I think you got to look at a larger picture here. I'll look at the economy and the cycle that we're in because automobiles and parts are very cyclical in nature, meaning they go up and down based on the economic cycle. So Magna International, MGA, Manufacture automotive systems, assembly, modulars, uh, components, uh, complete vehicles for automotive uh, uh, manufacturing companies. Um, so I, I think we've seen the peak here already in this, and now I, I don't know if it's going to recover soon. I don't think so. And if you look at it, earnings are going to be strong next year. but sales are already falling off, already fallen off, last three quarters. So um, I think you need to be patient. It will come to a point where it's you know very irresistible, but not yet. The five-year PE range is four to twenty-five, so you know what is it about eight or nine based on next year's earnings. I, I just I just be I think I'd be patient with and not buy it at this time. Nothing wrong with the company. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's just not the right time yet. My focus point today is based on the question, what are the odds of a home price decline hitting your local housing market? What are the odds of that? Historically speaking, inflation particularly hard hit in the housing market where spiking mortgage rates can quickly price out a lot of home buyers, and I think it has done that. Other things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Exxon and Chevron. They came out with their numbers. I want to talk about them. I also want to talk about Amazon and their disappointing numbers. Let's talk about that, too. And finally, Ukraine and uh, can Ukraine win this war with Russia? Let's talk about the economic warfare that's going on, too. I just thought, that, I thought, is it possible? You know, no one would think that Ukraine could put up any kind of resistance if Russia decided to come in and look at it. They have stalled Russia. Russia has, it is amazing to me. So we're going to talk about what's going on there. If we get to it, but of course, you are first. The market today was not very good. It's kind of ill. The Dow down 939 points. That's a big down day. The NASDAQ, 537 points. That's even bigger on a percentage basis. And the S&P down 156 points. Bad day all around bad day. no question day uh, there, there will be no um, there will be no trivia question today because I use the time usually on Friday talk about the KPP premium newsletter and go over some of the economic numbers that happened. And that's coming up around the halfway point of the podcast. So how did the market do? I think you know I think the market's doing poorly. I think you probably recognize that as a poor performance. Um, Should you get out of your positions? I never say ever, ever, never get out of the stock market. You reposition, rebalance, change your, change. you know, you should have already, after we've been talking about it for months and months, should have already have changed your outlook on the market and gotten away from growth stocks. I much better off in um, commodities and value stocks. and commodities is where the value stocks are hoarded. That's where a lot of them are. Now, of course commodities have done very well, and you might be late to the party now, but there's still some opportunities over there. okay? we got good news for InvestTalk listeners and enjoy hearing the unbiased answers to caller questions, we have, you know, especially at a faster pace. We have just posted our all-new April Rapid Fire Hour with 30 caller questions. It's available now as a free podcast download. Please tell your friends about InvestTalk Rapid Fire Podcasts. And now the InvestTalk phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART.
0: Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
3: Okay, let's talk to Brandon in Seattle. Hi, Brandon. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good. Thank
1: you for the call. No problem. Uh, just a to question the past year or so uh, kind of due to your advice i started gobbling up uh, vtv down in about the high 90s um
0: good for you around
1: 100 and that's that's all i kind of was focusing on but now with things starting to melt down and that fund still uh doing pretty well i usually kind of cycle through the sectors um i play like vde as well and just whatever's when hurt, I like, kind of like to go and scoop up. Um, but with the way things are going, would you maybe see it now as taking some off the table with VTV? I mean, I'm not sure how much more that can stretch. And then holding it, I'd probably put it back into VTI once, you know, the market correction kind of runs its course um, just yeah. for a long-term hold. Or is, or is that something I should just maybe keep in VTV and just – Leave well, it, forget I, it, and then just buy more of VTI. as it,
3: you know, time? I would goes take, on. Some Brandon, take some profits, Brandon. I take some profits out here. You've run it from what, 80 to 140 today? That's what it has today. Uh, the reason why I'm suggesting to take profits, because I think the overall market's going to be weak for a little while through the summer. But I would not get out completely. I would not. And I do think value stocks are going to do better in general for a, a number of years. Than growth stocks, because usually there's a okay. trade-off between value and growth, growth and value, value and growth. But do you know value has worked uh, more over a long periods of time? Value has been a better a better return than growth. Okay, but that. But I think if we go into a recession, the market does collapse. It'll take value stocks down with it. So taking a little profit off the table. That's not going to hurt you. And I think I just sit on the sidelines for just a bit, a few weeks, okay. a month say, or two. Uh, the
1: VTVs in a Roth IRA for a long-term hold, you, would that change
3: anything? Of nope. Take some off the table or just leave it alone? Nope, i take some off the table. I See, what you want to do is have some cash to attack those sectors that got beat up, as you suggested. But the timing is always very difficult. You can't time the market. So that's why I'm telling you, don't get out. Just take some off uh, because you're going to want some cash to reinvest later. And I think later will be, you know, after we're pretty much finished with the Fed's fund rate raising. You know, something's got to change. Or the uh, Ukraine war is over or something. Inflation, it seems to be under control of some kind. But I think having some cash is very helpful right now. Okay? Okay. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate the call. Uh, VIP from Northern California has a real estate. VIP? VIP from Northern California. Hi, VIP.
1: Hey, Steve. This is VIP. Um, I had a question regarding real estate. I know earlier you just mentioned the federal fund rate. I know the Fed is going to raise the rate about, yes. about half a percent. Do you think it's a good idea to purchase a house right now to lock in the, real, uh, lock in the interest rate, or do you think it's good to just stay patient and? and maybe purchase, maybe two or three months from now to see if prices come down?
3: I think prices will soften, but it's going to be location, location, location. Depends on where you are. Um, I think the mortgage rate has gotten ahead of itself, going from three to five. Uh, So when the Fed does raise rates, I don't know if mortgage rates are going to go up that much. But uh, they are an upward, you know, they are an upward. If you find something you want to own, buy it. Let's just put it that way. We're moving into a break, but I am here and happy to take your financial investment questions. This is Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
3: Hi Richard, how you doing? Hi, good. How are you, Steve? Good. You want to talk about the bear market? Yeah, so I was just looking at the cues and um uh, and i
1: just i wanna make sure that I'm calculating the what is a bear market correctly i okay. i see that the the top was around four hundred yes, so a bear market would be like in my calculation would be four twenty so we're barely
3: there right we we just arrived there the queues are at three thirteen twenty five today
1: yeah so and um, three twenty would be a bear market is, yes. is that is that a correct
3: yeah, so you take 20% okay, okay. off of 400, right? So 40, 10% is 40, 20% would be 80. So it would be, you know, 320-ish. Got it. Yeah, so that's how okay. you do it. It's from Thank the you. top of the market. Okay, great call. Good call. I'm glad you called, Richard. Thank you. So you take the top of the market of, of an index, guys, and then figure how much further down it's fallen from that top and that's the definition. A bear market is 20% or more, okay? Anything between zero and 20 is a, technically called a correction. And by the way, there's no, this is just a general rule. It's not like, you know, <laughs> written in stone. This is just what, you know, the pundits and, and, and advisors all agreed to was how, what it, what's the bear definition of a bear market. So the cues are in a bear market. We know that. Good question, Jay, in Chicago. I want to talk about the queues also.
1: Oh, hi, Thank you for for again my call. Thank
3: you. Um,
1: well, uh, if the person already spoke about QQQ, I, I, uh, my question is about basically the index fund. So I was thinking about in a starting a position with with the QQQ or VOO, either one. So if you can give me any any of your suggestion or your view. Okay, I sure. I you have a very great, great experience
3: so okay uh VOO everybody is the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF or the QQQ is the the Nasdaq 100 ETF. So the question is is starting to position either one is fine but I would be a little bit patient at this time. Why? Because I don't think the market's done giving up some of its returns. Now can you time it? It's very difficult to time. But we have to have that. I would feel much more comfortable with knowing what's going to happen than the unknowns we're faced today with. We're faced today with unknowns. How many in times are Fed's going to raise the rates? I don't know. That's an unknown. When will the Ukraine-Russia war be over? I don't know. Don't know that either. When will China get back to business and... Stop shutting down various parts of their country because of COVID. I don't know that answer either. We don't have – when will inflation start to be controlled? I don't know that answer. I do think inflation appears to have peaked. But – so, this is the reasons I would probably not put new money in the market right now, Jay. I would not. Not because I'm trying to time the markets cuz we don't have those things are unknown. We need to know one or two of those things first and I think then the market will calm down. Then get in. Okay? Excellent. Thanks for the call. Thank- yeah, it's just hard. It's very hard to know. But I just don't think we're done. The Fed's going to raise rates. Uh, and, you know, is U- U- Ukraine and Russia there? How long is that going to go on? I think that's the least of the problems out there. If you want to know the truth, I think the biggest problem is China. China. Remember, China makes a lot of things that the world wants, right? We put our position ourselves in that position that they make things that we want. And if their economy struggles, which I think it's going to go into recession, you want to know the truth, then the world economy will struggle. I think. We'll see. Okay? My focus point today is based on the question, what are the odds of a home price decline hitting your local housing market? And I think the odds are pretty good. Pretty strong. Why, how, how, why do I say that? well it's it's not rocket science it really isn't the fed is going to raise rates we all know that we already we all know that the 30-year fixed mortgage which is the most common mortgage rate out there has gone from three percent to five a little over five right so that means are we done with that raise now i do think as i said just earlier i think the mortgage rate has gotten ahead of itself I think even with the Fed raising rates next week remember they only control one rate the fed's fund rate which is the amount the loan the amount they tr- banks charge each other okay for borrowing money but the Fed charges them for borrowing money. So it and and real estate is a very local issue. In other words you can't just say across the country you know, real estate is going to go down. I can't say that, but depends, but I would think it's, it's going to be on a general generally weakening position with interest rates, mortgage rates rising. Makes perfect sense, does it not? So, I do think it's going to be an issue. It's Friday, everybody. You know that, and we're moving it past pretty fast through this hour. It always does. I will share out the highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter in about six or seven minutes. So hang on. 888-99-CHART.
2: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Dot .com hacker You are listening
0: to Invest Talk. It's Friday. The weekend is almost here and Steve Peasley is on duty now taking your finance and investment questions live. Call Invest Talk 888-99-chart. 888-992-4278
3: Give me a call. Love to talk to you. Um, travel. We're going to go to Adam in South Carolina first. Hi, Adam. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing, Steve? Good. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for taking my question. Um, yeah, I was calling about uh, ticker symbol SNBL, uh, Sundial, Sundial Growers. Okay. Um, they just reported earnings uh, earlier this week. And um, their EBITDA has, you know, increased significantly um from the fourth qu- in the fourth quarter. But uh you know, the uh the stock has been, you know, dipping pretty hard today and I was just curious, you know, uh, if you could uh tell me what your thoughts are about sure. it maybe you know, in the long term.
3: Sundial Growers, everybody, uh, S N D L. It's a pretty small company, but not tiny. It's nine hundred and sixty-six million in size, so that's a small cap company, Canadian company that engages in the production, and distribution of cannabis for medical and recreational access. Now, the problem you're dealing with, uh, Adam, is that it doesn't make money. It's going to lose a lot of money this year. Dollar seventy-eight a share. Uh, it lost 12 cents a share last year, $1.57 the year before. So it's, it's not going in the right direction. You should lose less and less money as they grow. Now, uh, you're right. The most recent quarter, they were the sales growth was 63% higher to $22 million. So don't think that's a lot of money. Well, it went from 14 million to 22 million. Uh, and in and, and, and June of 2020, it was at 20 million. So instead of seeing a stock that's just consistently growing because, you know, cannabis is becoming more and more accepted around, you know, the world, um, their sales have been up and down, up and down. And now it's up for the last couple of quarters, but it doesn't have the consistency up, 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 up. It's just kind of all over the place. It's a 47-cent stock, everybody, very low price. But my concern is, is when are they going to turn a profit? When did the company become a real, real real, company? That's the concern, to actually make a profit. And that takes a little study, and we got to look deep into what they're doing and why are sales so erratic. What's the problem with that? Those kind of things. I, I, would, I would not buy it. I don't like buying companies that don't make money. So, that, Adam, I would stay away from it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. The KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today and will be distributed tomorrow morning to subscribers and, and, and our clients. In the market conditions section, I explained a number of economic reports were released this week, along with a blizzard of first quarter earnings numbers. Uh, Monday started out light with no important releases on the economy, but on Tuesday, we were treated to the durable goods orders measured, um, durable goods orders for March. It was up eight tenths of percent, and this was in line with expectations pre- with the previous month. It you know the it was in line with expectation, but the previous month it contracted one point seven percent. So that was a pleasant surprise. The Case-Shiller Home Price Index for February remember we're talking about February was up nineteen point eight percent year over year, up from nineteen point one percent the month before year over year. New home sales numbers were also published on Tuesday. They came in at seven hundred sixty three thousand. For March, from a level of 835000 for February, down. So prices held up well in February, but new home sales for March, not so good. Okay? So, is housing still strong? Well, I think we're starting to see the bite of higher mortgage rates. And I would think that we're going to continue to see that. So, just be aware of that. Um, I don't think it's going to collapse, though. I've said that several times now. I just don't think it's going to collapse. Um, so uh, it's not time to, you know, uh, it. I just don't think it's going to collapse. On Thursday, the weekly initial job claims were declared and they remained steady at 180,000, down a little bit from 185,000 the week before. Remember, that's a leading economic indicator, so that's why I mention it every week. Also, real GDP, when I say real do you know what I mean by real GDP? When, worked, when someone uses real for income growth or GDP or whatever, they're talking about net after inflation, okay? Not nominal. Nominal means how much it really was up without regard to inflation. So um, the real GDP for the first quarter declined 1.4%, down 1.4%. Most of that was due to a huge bump in imports. The Fed only increased the Fed fund rate by 0.25% in the last meeting, but for the next week's meeting, the experts anticipate a half a percent increase. If that occurs, it would be the first time in over a decade that the Fed has moved up or down more than a quarter of a point some speculation i think like 20 percent is the odds that maybe 25 i i read this a day or two ago that the fed will raise the rates three quarters of one percent next week 0.75 that would be i think a shock to the market i think they would worry about that so the headwinds remains for stocks everybody it just does so, you know, uh, the Fed raising rates, as I said, the the uh, uh, Ukraine war and China. Those headwinds need to change for us. Okay. Portfolio management section. Remember, we're all talking about the newsletter here. All the stuff is in the newsletter this week. It was a pretty, I thought, a pretty important newsletter to read. One of the most important yet least studied processes needed to develop successful investment skills is an understanding of economic trajectory. The most important economic indicators to follow are the leading indicators that affect future economic activity. This is on the portfolio management section. So there are a few index indices or indexes you can follow, such as the ECRI, Economic Cycle Research Institute, the Conference Board, and the Philadelphia Fed. We could discuss each of these, but for this week... Let's look at the Philadelphia Fed, okay? That's what's in the portfolio management section. Uh, so what's in there? What does Philadelphia Fed it's, it's made up of several components, a number of components. State-level housing permits, uh, state initial unemployment insurance claims, delivery times from the Institute for Supply Management, the ISM Manufacturing Survey, Delivery times—how long does it take to get delivery of things? There's a good—that's a good one to explore a little bit deeper. Why would that make a difference? Delivery times of items being shipped through the economic system, because when times slow down, they are generally bogged down because of a backlog of orders. They have a backlog of orders, that's good. Economy is cooking along. If they speed up and delivery times are fast, there's not much of a backlog. They can just get to them, maybe we're slowing down. So you're looking for the change in delivery times. That's what you're looking for. The change. Okay. In the stock ideas section, a diversified miner with coal, copper, zinc, and oil sands in operations in Canada, the United States, Chile, and Peru. It's one of the stock ideas. The company pays their shareholders a dividend yielding 1%. I also looked at a company that offers a variety of medical instruments and supplies to caregivers. It is currently trading at a forward PE ratio of 16.5, which is at the low end of their five-year PE range, which is 16.45. Kind of like them better. The range is 16.45 to 56, and it's at 16.5. Value stocks, people. I like the value stocks at this time. Of course, I name names in the newsletter. You know, I give you the names of those people. There's a good deal of valuable information every week in that KPP premium newsletter. And when you subscribe at investtalk.com, you'll receive the newsletter each Saturday morning via your inbox. You can subscribe at investtalk.com. Investtalk with two T's, investtalk.com. That's the newsletter, everybody. I think you would be well worth your effort to go take a look at it. Okay, Exxon and Chevron came out with earnings today. Uh, Chevron maintained, uh, maintained their buyback program and increased, increased their uh, uh, shell drilling and shell production, let's call it that, from 10% to 15% this year. So they're trying to get more oil out of the ground of the of the shelf formations so of Premium Basin in the Midwest. ExxonMobil is not. They did triple their buyback program from ten billion to thirty billion, and they had to write down three point four billion on the Russia assets they had there. But product, production fell five percent for oil and one point five percent for gas. So Exxon didn't. Didn't perform as well as Chevron, really. But they did increase their buyback program significantly. Of course, all oil companies are making lots of money because oil is very expensive right now. So they're making lots of money. Uh, And try to remember, when you're a big oil company, you're an international oil company, right? You're in charge. You don't just change in a dime, on a dime to things. You can't just say, well, we're going to do this now. They set cap cap x mean capital expenditures a year or more, way more, many times in advance five, ten years. How much we're going to spend, how many billions of dollars we're going to spend to develop this oil field. They can't say, Well, let's change it today and make that more money right now. And because, first of all, you got to have equipment, workers, everything you got all these. The strategic alignment of things is not that easy. I wish it was. It's just not. So when you know, everybody's screaming, We need more oil, the big oil companies can't just turn change on a diet. They can't just stop what they're doing and let's go drill for more. And you realize that they're integrated, right? So they're drilling, and uh, they get oil out of the ground, and they get a lot of money for it. It goes to the refiners. Do you realize the refiners are having trouble making profits? Because they can't pass along the entire cost. <laughs> so it's an issue. It's just not as simple as we all might think it is. Okay, let's go back to InvestTalk Voice Bank for a question that came in from Denmark. Hello, this Talk. This is Yannick from Denmark. Uh, Thanks for the wonderful
1: show. Um, I have a question about HP, the company um, making uh, printers and such. The ticker symbol is HPQ. Berkshire Hathaway recently bought uh, 11% of this stock. And uh, within the next week, I am seriously considering buying a portion of this stock. not as much as Buffett, but I was wondering if you could uh, provide insights as to why do you think Buffett buys this stock? I can see that it has a good valuation. It has a good cash flow. In 2017, it had a bit of a tumble downwards. All the metrics look good. So any insights as to why uh, Warren Buffett found this interesting? I would be very much interesting. Thank you very much. Bye.
3: First of all, we HPE is Hewitt-Packard, not HP. That's Hamlicker and Plane, But HPE is Hewitt-Packard Company. And first of all, you have to understand what types of things Warren Buffett buys. He is a value investor. He's not a growth investor. He is a value investor. So he looks for value. It's the number one thing that he looks for. Okay, so let's look at how Hewitt-Packard and see if it matches any of the value metrics that he likes. Now, Hua Packer provides information technology, enterprise service solutions, and cloud-enabled, mobile-ready kind of things. He is not a tech guy. Warren Buffett is not. He admits it himself. He doesn't know anything about tech. So that's kind of out of his bailiwick as far as the types of company would buy as far as industry is concerned. Okay, mostly this is uh, Hewitt Packer is a tech services company. But they're gonna make $2.11 this year. That's if you look at Hewitt Packer over the years, they have consistently grown their earnings per share year after year after year for the last, what, seven, eight, nine years? So two eleven per share this year, ninety dollar ninety-six last year, dollar fifty-four the year before that, dollar forty-eight before that, and ninety-six cents before that. Next year, it's going to be $2.23. He likes that consistency. He also likes the return of equity in the teens, and this one is the 14%. The cash flow is very good at $3.74. He likes that. Debt is very low. He loves companies with no debt, low debt. And he loves companies that pay a dividend, and their dividend rate is 3.1%. He does not focus on the growth. He likes growth. He wants growth, but he does not focus on that. This company is only growing about 1% to 2% per it's in sales, growing 1% to 2% per quarter. Not growing that much. But it's a $15.41 stock, going to make $2.23 next year. So, so it's a very low P.E. with a good return on equity, good dividend, good fundamentals, not a lot of debt, all those things, and management owns 1%. $20 billion company. Buffett loves management-owned income company. So it checks off a lot of boxes for Buffett. That's why he likes it. Coming up, I'll run down my oil, gas, metals price roundup. This is Invest talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And the work will continue after this break, so get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART.
0: This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Steve and Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call 888
3: 99 Chart. 888 99 Chart, everybody. Um, and, you know, on Friday, I generally may take time to do a quick rundown of the bench, you know, certain numbers. Uh, the two year treasury is important. Two year treasury yield is 2.7% right now. Why do I even talk about that? Because the 10-year treasury yield is 2.86, 2.7 for two, 2.8 for 10. Why is that important? We talked about rate inversion, where the shorter-term two-year produces more in yield than a long-term 10-year. Whenever that's happened in history, a recession has followed. And it's already happened a few weeks, a couple, three, well, four weeks ago. I don't remember how long ago. But it didn't stay there for very long. So when the Fed raises rates this week, will that change this dance? Will the 2-year yield more than 10? See, that's what we need to worry about. That's what that that's why it's important I tell you about. It. Gold was priced at 19.11 per ounce last week was 19.32, 3 weeks ago 19.44, 12 weeks ago 18.06. Silver today 23.07, 9 weeks ago it was 23.94. So it's down from nine weeks, two months. So why are gold and silver moving up? What's the problem? The problem is the dollar. The dollar's gotten a lot stronger versus other currency. Take a look at the dollar and the Japanese yen. So if the dollar's stronger, gold and silver have a hard time moving up, even with inflation at really high prices. Oil selling at one hundred two dollars a barrel last week. It was one hundred two. Three weeks ago it was ninety seven. Five weeks ago, is was 113 19 weeks ago, it was $66 a barrel. It's 102 So it looks like the shove-up of oil has stopped, right? I mean, it was $113 5 weeks ago. Now it's 102 The national average of a gallon of gasoline, $4.15. Not here in New California, everybody. We're still at 6 bucks down here. It's going to stay that way. Missouri is at $3.76 per gallon. Now, uh, could Ukraine win this war against Russia? You would not think so because Russia has a massive, massively bigger army. It has, It's a huge land mass compared to Ukraine. But then why hasn't it happened? Could they win? I think they could. One of the reasons is Russia's whole economy is based on natural gas and oil and even though there are sanctions against Russia Russia they're just now talking about sanctioning oil and gas Europe needs it so badly but there Germany's even talking about it Germany is the, is a key player here okay and they're talking about it. but more importantly Germany is also sending modern weapons to Ukraine talking about sending tanks the United States, Passed a bill, it's going to send them ten times worth of support that we had before. Ten tenfold increase, the twenty billion dollars worth of weapons. Okay, and this was after Russia stopped natural gas to Poland and Bulgaria. That was a response, and Russia did that because that was their response to uh, you know to. Uh, you know, things that the, what, that NATO countries were trying to do. So it's like escalating a little bit here, okay? Now, Russia earned $76 billion in energy, you know, from its energy sector, which is natural gas and oil. Um, so they have the money, right? That's where the money's coming from. But, and I just... Did you know, did you, don't, do you find it interesting that Merkel, who was the, you know, in charge of Germany, uh, and Trump both left and both were very tough. I know people don't think Trump was, but he was on stuff from, China, from Russia. And do you think the timing? Merkel's out and Trump's out, and then Russia decided they could make a move. I'm pretty sure Putin was all calculated somehow. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to review and rate us if you get your download from iTunes. A positive rating helps, um, helps our profile. We really appreciate that. And you can ask a question, and we'll get to it right away as a little bit of reward. Independent thinking and shared success, this is talk.